Hey friend, welcome to Enough for Today for Tuesday. I got a question for you. What do you do when you're in trouble? How do you handle, how do you respond to complicated, troubling situations? David's facing one, and he's going to give us uh, some insight here on how to navigate difficulty, especially when it's out of our hands. Um, So we're in Psalm 54. I did a little reading about the Ziphims, the Ziphites. They were actually, this is amazing, they were Jewish. They were a member, they were members of David's own tribe, the tribe of Judah. So these were like family and friends of David, but they betrayed him twice. Two times they turned him or tried to turn him over to Saul and God delivered him. So uh, imagine this, David has fled from Saul. He has gone south and east of Hebron, southern uh, Israel, and he is trying to find refuge with family and friends. And this is very important to this story. David has already been chosen by God to be the next king of Israel. So enemies of David are enemies of God by choice. And that's really important to all the stories that involve David and his enemies, because it wasn't just them against David, it was them against God. And so it is in your life when you are setting out to obey God, to honor God, to live a devoted life, to live a faithful life, to speak up for him, uh, taking the risk, taking the daunting steps of, of uh, taking a stand, whatever it might be, um, you are, you're entering into territory where you're on God's side and God's on your side, okay, as a believer. And yet this brings David into a bad place. So he has lived faithfully. He loves God. He has defeated Goliath. He's been anointed before that to be the next king of Israel. And now, unjustly, he's being oppressed. He's being hunted like a dog. And he's being driven away from home and, and people that uh, care and, and any, any kind of safety and provision. And he's really, circumstantially, it seems like he's on his own. He's not. God's got him. But imagine the feeling, imagine the emotions, the depth of this young man's journey. It's, and he's young. That's the other part of this. Like, this is all new to him. And so what does he do? He, he gets alone with God and he articulates the problem very clearly to God in the form of a request followed by a description. Okay, so he begins Psalm 54.1 with a simple uh, request. Two parts to it. Save me, O God, by thy name and judge me by thy strength. So he acknowledges God in his life, number one. He acknowledges the name of God to be strong, providential, sovereign, uh, omnipotent, omniscient. Uh, and he, he, so he casts his whole fate into the hands of God and asks him to save him, okay? Um, so he wants to be pulled out of this circumstance. And it's a right desire. It's a good desire that he wants to escape. Uh, He wants God to remove this trial in his life. There's nothing wrong with wanting that. There's nothing wrong with crying. God, save me. By thy name, not by my goodness, not by my strength, but by yours, okay? Judge me by thy strength, okay? The concept of judging is um, to direct him and evaluate him and... um, to, to to bring him under God's evaluation and direction, okay? This comprehensive idea of you're my judge, okay? I render myself to your 
verdict, your understanding of this situation, I render myself to your way of leading me through this situation. I am casting myself in total dependence on your strength, okay? Save me by your name, judge me by your strength. The whole phrase is, God, I need you, and I'm laying myself totally in your care. So the first position of dealing with trouble, navigating complex, difficult things, is to go to God to declare your dependence on God. I think this is what the uh, proverb means when it says, um, trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. I think there's, I think there's this, this normal, natural human instinct that when we come into trouble or complex things, we, we want to frantically try to figure it out. We forget that we're not on our own. We forget that we're not alone as believers and that the wisdom and providence and sovereign power of the universe is leaning our direction and in our favor. And so all that we could erase our instinctive urge to lean to our own understanding and that we could lean the other direction, lean on God, Oh, that this would be our first response instead of our last or final response. And we come to our wits end, and then we say, God, please help me after we've tried everything. How much trouble, how much anxiety, how much distress could we save and spare ourselves if we would begin the way David begins? Save me, O God, by thy name. Judge me by thy strength. Instead of God, make my plans work. Uh, God, help my agenda to save me. Um, you know, I'm almost able to save myself. God, could you just like nudge me over the edge? David, this is a total uh, thrust of his dependence on God. Save me, O God, by thy name. Judge me by thy strength. Hear my prayer. This is one of David's favorite sayings. We've covered it many times before. Uh, what is it? It's a rhetorical question, but it's an assuring question. David, in a sense, is asking God to hear his prayer. We get that. But is there... A chance that God isn't going to hear his prayer? Not a, not at all, okay? He's a child of God. He's a believer. He's a follower. Um, God's going to hear his prayer. But he has lost the sense of, you know, where's God in all this? What's really going on? I thought God gave me victory. I thought he anointed me. I thought he gave me victory over Goliath. I thought this was going all the right direction. Now I'm being betrayed on every side, and I don't know where to hide or where to run. And, and now I really need the sense that God is hearing my prayer. It's expression out of uh, anxiety and a fear that, you know, um, I think I think intellectually, I think objectively, he knows God's going to hear his prayer. I think emotionally, he wants to feel that God's going to hear his prayer. Hear my prayer, O God. Give ear to the words of my mouth. It's also a, it's also a reverence a kind of posture. It, it, it's, it is... A denote that I respect you, I revere you, I recognize that in and of myself, I have no right to demand a hearing with you, God. I have no grounds on which to stand. I don't. There's no reason why you should value my words or why your ears should bend my direction. But God, I know your name. I know your heart. So would you hear me? Would you give ear to the words of my mouth? And David continues, and he says, for strangers. Now, so he sets out, God's got his attention. He's asking God for salvation. He's thrusting himself in total dependence. And he's humbly asking for a hearing. 
and now he's going to plead. He's going to lay out his trouble. And this is what I want you to catch when it comes to responding to trouble. For strangers are risen up against me. The concept here of strangers is usually referencing Gentiles, but in this case it's not. It's referencing family and friends who have betrayed David, which points to the fact that sometimes it's the people we expect to love us. Sometimes it's those that we think we're closest to that can turn on us. Um, and the idea of strangers is they, they've simply chosen a different value system than God's in this in this in relation to me. Okay, uh, they have gone a different direction. They are strange to me and to God's purposes in my life. They've made themselves strangers, essentially. So strangers are risen up against me. But remember, in this case, it's his family. It's his friend. It's his kinsmen, which is um, so painful, isn't it, when that happens? So you can imagine the pain that David is uh, wrestling with here, that these that he sought refuge with have turned on him <clears throat> and they've turned against him. And oppressors seek after my soul. Oppressors want him dead. This is Saul and his army and those that are going to try to defeat God's plan through David. So oppressors seek after my soul and always behind that is a diabolical plan. Always behind that is a satanic plan. They have not set God before them, Selah. So David is differentiating in his own heart and mind before God who his enemies are and the fact that they have rejected God and they have not set God before them. If God were set before them, they would not be doing what they're doing. They would be reverencing him in fear and obedience and surrender. But the idea of God set before them is that I'm doing what I'm doing in reverence and in view of God. I'm, I'm practicing the presence of God. I am esteeming and reverencing and um, in posture, in life posture, worshiping and bowing before him. And so these people have rejected the knowledge of God, the will of God, the reverence and fear of God. And David's laying that out. And this is good for a believer to do. It's good for you to do when you're facing difficult times. Now, we're going to pick it up here tomorrow. But if you're facing difficulty or trouble or hardship, circumstantial complexity, lay it out to God. Cry out for his salvation. Render yourself, uh, thrust yourself totally into his care, his judgment, his direction, his leadership. Ask him for a hearing and let him know uh, you need him. Remind him that you are aware of his presence, but undeserving of his, of his attention. But you know you have it. And then lay out what's going on. God, this is what's going on. Uh, this is how I'm feeling about it. I, I don't understand. Lay it out, write it out, put it before the Lord, and, and wait there, okay? Now, we're going to pause there right now. Uh, we're going to pause the practice, halt at verse 3, because verse 4 turns to another, another experience in the psalm. So in part 1 of the psalm, danger from the enemy processed before God. But now David's confidence is going to grow. And probably, if you do what I'm talking about, probably yours will too before tomorrow. But until then, have a great day.